Welcome to our first week of spring edition of the Present Tense Podcast. We're here in our low-budget basement studio in Chatham, Massachusetts, out on the elbow of Cape Cod. And joining us is Chatham Selectman Seth Taylor, who's up for re-election in May. Thanks so much for joining us, Seth. Thanks, Milton, for having me. I'm uh, happy to sit down and have a chat with you. Look forward to it. Seth very kindly agreed to join us today to talk about what he sees as major issues facing Chatham and how his career arc took him from commercial fishing on Cape Cod to traveling around the world as a federal customs agent and how that helped shape issues in his mind. Seth, you come from a family that's been here in Chatham for centuries, and you were telling me about a moment of epiphany you had in your college years, something that happened when you were out fishing that told you it was time to broaden your horizons. I wonder if you could share that with our listeners. Yeah, Sure, Milton. I had finished my bachelor's degree at University of Massachusetts in Amherst, and I was back in Chatham and doing what you do. Uh, and that I had I'd gotten a sight on a fishing boat, and I was offshore fishing. I'd been doing that for a bit of time, along with some other knocking around stuff. And I uh, was offshore one day, a hell of a, you know, just a gorgeous day, and I was uh, gill netting, and I never did care for gill netting much. Uh, I started out tub trawling, and that was a good, clean fishery, and I really liked it. Anyway, I was on a gillnet boat, and and uh, it was just me and the skipper, and I was picking fish out of the net. And um, a, a big steak fish, probably 30, 40-pound fish, bright gold. Uh, they come in different colors, so this was almost a bright gold fish. Just got caught on the way the net coming up. It was just lipped, lip-hooked. The, the monofilament was around his lips, and he was very lively. And I picked him off, and he wasn't hurt at all. And honest to goodness, had a little conversation with him. Uh, just said to him, I said, yeah, fish, I, and his mouth is gapping at the air, and he says, yeah, I understand you have absolutely no idea what you're doing here. One minute you're swimming along, happy as a clam, and the next minute you're you're here. And I said, I got to share something with your fish. I said, I got no idea what I'm doing here either. <laughs> I threw the fish over the side, he swam away. I got back to the pier, grabbed my uh, oil skins, grabbed my, uh, my knives and uh, my dry clothes and my sleeping bag and and left the boat i just told the guy i was fishing with i said skip i'm all done i'm all done <laughs> went home and uh, didn't know what i was going to do but i i knew i had to i had something else i needed to be doing i just knew and i found some uh an old peace corps application my college stuff and uh, there was the light went off i filled out that application uh, mailed it off to the peace corps packed the backpack and took off. And uh, a couple of months later, I heard that I'd been accepted in the Peace Corps, and that was that. <laughs> That's an amazing story. The golden fish, it sounds like something out of uh, Arabian Nights. So you left Chatham uh, to knock around and then join the Peace Corps, which led to a career as a fe- federal customs agent. And that took you around the world. Yep. Um, getting out of the Peace Corps... Um, we came back. I, I uh, met my wife. She was also a volunteer. Um, we decided to get married. We came back, uh, got married, and I started fishing again. And one thing led to another, and fishing was not any more fun than it had been and just really not the right gig. And um, we uh, sent off some applications for federal employment. And I was offered a job with the United States Customs Service in Los Angeles and accepted that job. And it um, eventually spun into a career with their Office of Investigations um, 
acting as a federal criminal investigator? Acting as a, a criminal investigator, I'm under the impression that gave you some insight into how a decision should be made trying to solve crimes, and that kind of spins back to Chatham and being a selectman here. And for those listeners who have never been to Chatham, and from the summer traffic I see here, it's hard to believe that everybody hasn't been here at least once, uh, let me explain a little bit about the town. Over the last 40 years, the year-round population has about tripled, and its winter population of about 6,000 jumps to more than 30,000 in the summer. So, Seth, how does this population pressure and these population swings put a focus on what you see as a primary goal of what you're pushing for as a selectman? Well, the first thing is, how does what I did for a career interface with my position in, in the town of Chatham? I think that's an important question. For my personality, I stumbled into the job as a federal investigator. It was just serendipity or the golden codfish, whatever you want to believe. Um, but what the job was, was puzzle building. It required uh, high levels of critical thinking and application of analytical tools to a problem. And that's why I say puzzle building. Uh, you were presented with a problem and that problem had to be solved. And to build that puzzle, when you finished building the puzzle, it, it led to conclusions that said a particular thing was done wrong, a violation of law occurred. Uh, this is what that violation was and these are the people that did it. And it wasn't qualifying it one way or another, it was just collecting facts, building the puzzle till it was complete, and then presenting that completed puzzle to the decision makers. Um, and that would be the, the prosecutors as to what was going to happen, grand juries, the whole court process and all that stuff. And then you went on and built another puzzle. And I think it's important that that's what government really is. And it's not just at a, at a level of chasing criminality. It's a question of how does government arrive at decisions? How do we, the people, effectively manage our civic affairs? Well, we do it through government. And government is presented with problems, and those problems have to be solved. You do that by collecting good, honest data, building the puzzle, and saying, here is the solution to the problem. Here's the problem. Here is the built-out puzzle. And presenting it instead of to a grand jury, presenting it to the citizens who have to pay for government. This is one step further for me now by being a selectman, is I get to now be part of the process that evaluates the data and decides what to do with it. So am I, am I correct in, in thinking that because of the pace of change in Chatham, which has been very fast, uh, you know, certainly change has been a constant all around the world, all around the country, but it seems to me things have moved very quickly here. Just we have the pace of change, and then we have that that strange summer winter face that the town puts out, where it's really kind of two different places at two different times of year. Does that make the data harder to assess for you? Well, it it doesn't change data. I mean, data is data. Right. Um, it's it changes how you collect it, it changes how you interpret it, and it changes what you do with it, because you have. Um, 
different user groups. You don't have a homogeneous population of people. The demographic is much different than it was when I was a young man. Mm -hmm. The demographic was more of a complete community where, where the people who lived here were the community. Summer folks came and went, but they weren't a large contributing, they weren't largely contributing to the discussion. They were coming and visiting your town. Right. And this is just a reminder, this is the Present Tense Podcast. You'll find it on the Present Tense blog. And this is your host, Milton Moore, and I'm here with Chatham Selectman, Seth Taylor. So let's keep talking with Seth. Seth, we were talking about the changes that have taken place in town and how the changes affect governance here. How the town used to be a fairly homogenous little fishing village with summer residents, and how it's changed into a town where you can at times get the sense that some people have more invested in their property than in their sense of community. How do you work within a framework where there are really very strongly competing interests? Um, wintertime in this town, there are a lot of very financially challenged people that are just barely making it. There are a lot of um, retired people on fixed incomes in a very high value real estate market that are basically real estate poor. There are young uh, people who, I think the Cape Cod Commission said that in order to live in Chatham, you have to have an $88,000 family income. That's a lot of money. That's the problem right now with government and how to address the question of government is there's a little sort of a bipolar thing going on in, in Chatham as to who are we. It, it, that never was an issue. We were a very bucolic little seaside town with very, very deeply seated traditions and values and an honest-to-goodness culture. Yes, I remember, you know, I first came to Chatham in the early 70s, and Chatham had such a distinctive culture, and it was such a, such a distinctive place in terms of having its own uh, character, its own cycle of life, that, that it could really just absorb you. You could be absorbed by the Chatham way of living because it was distinctive. That's right. And, but, I mean, some people come, in the, and the minute they get here, they've, they've adopted that. Yeah. And, and there are some that could be here for a lifetime and never get it. And that, and that constantly want Chatham to be something else. That, that they've got a better idea about how Chatham should be. And, and that's, that's the real challenge for government. I mean, does Chatham, do the voters of Chatham, do they know what they want to be? And in, in a lot of ways, you're still, you're, you're very involved in commercial fishing issues uh, at the governmental level now. <laughs> Uh, you're about to, if I'm not mistaken, you're about to head down to Washington to deal with some legislation that you helped uh, through our U.S. representative push through or at least get written. For our listeners, there's a very large national wildlife area in Chatham, beautiful area called the Monomoy National Wildlife uh, Refuge and Wilderness Area. That's it. Refuge and Wilderness Area. And... Uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is sort of expanding its footprint there a little bit and stepping on the toes of commercial shell fishermen who have been here for many generations making a living on some of that. And uh, so the issue of where the lines are going to be drawn for who gets to control what is still in play. And Seth is involved in trying to keep some town control 
as the federal footprint gets a little bigger down there? Uh, what happened is generations of Fish and Wildlife Service managers have had different opinions as to what they should or shouldn't be doing. It, it originally was a very sportsman-oriented agency, um, came about because of the um, Migratory Bird Treaty Act, and now it's more of, a, of an environmentalist um, Sierra Club type driven organization. More issues about fundamentals of what they believe should be happening mm -hmm. from from their own ecological perspective of an of an environmental component that they own versus necessarily this notion of um, multi-use planning where we try to make sure that what we are is effective stewards but at the same time um, we don't discount completely human use within these things as long as it's rationalized, reasonable, and, and effectively um, handled use. And, and they are trying to expand. Uh, they're trying to basically take land that isn't theirs to take. And this was just uh, uh, came out of a series of uh, proposed regulation changes and, and hearings down here. Yeah, Fish and Wildlife Service across all of their refuges decided that they'd standardize refuge planning. And Mo it was Monomoy's turn. And so they proposed a draft, a uh, comprehensive conservation plan. Within that plan, there were two things that were objectionable to the town of Chatham and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. One was they attempted to usurp ownership or claim ownership to a large piece of town-owned uh, beach known as South Beach on the eastern side of Monomoy. And they decided that they would annex uh, submerged lands and open waters on the west side of Monomoy, which is a barrier beach peninsula. And those submerged lands are immensely fertile shellfishing beds, are they not? They, they are. Um, it's an area that's protected from the Atlantic Ocean by the barrier beach system of Monomoy, and it's in the relatively shallow and warmer waters of Nantucket Sound. And there's a lot of shallow sand areas there that have been historically called the common flat because it was common property for the inhabitants of Chatham. And there are cycles of of bounty that occur there. Maybe it's mussels and then they'll be there and you can harvest them. Maybe it's sea clams, maybe it's quahogs, maybe it's soft shell clams, mm -hmm. or maybe it's uh, base collops. But there's always been something going on down there that that the citizens of Chatham have been able to get into and, and help with their uh, traditional lifestyle, especially our shell fishermen. And it seems to me uh, that uh, you have to be kind of, because of the the comings and goings of, of what the harvest can be, what it will be, what it was, that it's always changing down there, that uh, local control could be a little bit lighter on its feet in dealing with things than federal control, which takes three years to pass a regulation. Well, it should be recognized, Milton, that the federal government, through the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, has never managed this area, ever, okay. ever. Well, there you go. All right. Yet... It has been effectively and sustainably managed in an environmentally sound manner since Europeans first landed on these shores. The Fish and Wildlife Service cannot point to a single detrimental effect on the birds or wildlife or on Monomoy proper that has come about because of Chatham's and the Commonwealth's management of this area. Not one. There's nothing that they can say, you did this wrong. But now they want to tell us what we will and won't do there. 
they have immediately told us that we they will allow no harvesting of blue mussels. Now, if there's a set of blue mussels down there that's significant enough for our shell fishermen to harvest, that's real money. That's real people. That's real food on real tables and not in a manner that harms a bloody thing. We're talking about old-fashioned harvesting techniques that have been basically the same since subsistence times. Well, I wish you luck with the legislation. I know it's been a couple years in the making. Waterfront access, waterfront infrastructure is right at the very top of my list of things that are still a concern to me. So, I'm really grateful that you took the time to talk with present tense and I'm glad you were on the podcast. Hey, I thank you. I appreciate you uh, inviting me, and I've had, had fun. So that's it for this episode of the Present Tense Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. Our theme music is Sanctuary by Art of Escapism, and I want to give special thanks to my multi-talented coach in multimedia, Lori King. Take care, everyone, and remember, your future is all ahead of you. <laughs>